0: Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host Kedar Nimkar.
1: Today I have Kruti Saraiya with us on Audio Gyan. Kruti is a graphic designer, typographer based in Mumbai. The focus of her practice has been to allow for contemporary Indian design narratives to emerge and fill the gap between kitsch and traditional Indian crafts. She graduated from London School of Printing and she's worked with Rabia Gupta Designs, Mumbai. Uh, she also taught at uh, Srishti School of Arts, Design and Technology, Indian School of Design and Innovation and Ecole Intuit for several years. So it's uh, it's a real honor to have you, uh, Kruti, with us on audio again, and thank you for giving us your time.
0: Well, very happy to be here. Thank you, Kedar. <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, we'll be speaking about uh, like I've I've kept the topic name as language and typography. Uh, so we'll be exploring some bits of the uh, typography in general and the kind of work you have done and what was your creative process around it and things like that. So. Uh, The first thing which I want to ask you is uh, you're a typographer, but uh, you don't design fonts. So can you tell us uh, what's the overall process about typography?
0: Oh, I love this question. Um, So I actually want to, you know, Start off explaining this concept with a quote from Massimo Vignelli, who uh, actually said that, you know, out of the thousands of fonts that exist, we need only a handful and the rest should be trashed. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah. He says it's using a different font is like a criminal act, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? So I actually have my own version of his quote and I, the basic. Basically, you know, feel that the world has too many fonts Mm -hmm. and not enough people who know how to use them. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is uh, the, you know, basis of actually like my practice Mm -hmm. that uh, typography somehow seems, you know, largely synonymous with just type design. Mm -hmm. And like I come from a school where I feel that, you know, there's, of course, with great respect to type design and Uh, you know everybody out there who's doing that but the world of typography is much larger than that Mm -hmm. and there are various entry points into typography which go you know just beyond the form of how a letter looks Mm -hmm. for me that entry point is actually language and when I say language I mean like words just how they sound where they came from how they are spoken, uh,
1: you know, Uh, the etymology of words. Exactly,
0: like all of that. And as well as, you know, languages in terms of like, you know, the different languages that people speak. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested in that. I'm interested in, uh, you know, what typography can do. Mm. Uh, when you have interesting stuff to say, mm-hmm. so every time I've taught typography, I keep saying that that yes, sure you can make you know something look good, but that something needs to be there, mm-hmm. and that is like you have to have a love for words. You have to be able to think in words to be able to design in words, mm-hmm. right? If you think just visually, mm-hmm. then you're never going to have a great typographic poster or packaging or something because. You know, I've not known any client or anybody who will come and tell you like, oh, I want a typographic logo, Mm -hmm. you know, that ain't happening. Mm -hmm. So it's about like finding those nuances, finding like the right catchy phrase, you Mm -hmm. know, that fits into something. And then you have, you know, you can propose a typographic design. Mm -hmm. So uh, my interest really comes, you know, in typography from language, like from just grammar and like voice tone of voice mm-hmm. right so again i'm not talking about uh, you know stuff like that oh let's take the word dog and make it look like dog or let's you know write happy oh. and make it look happy yeah. but i'm actually talking about this tone of voice that just right now you know you said yeah and there was a giggle mm-hmm. so if i was you know to transcribe this interview mm-hmm. It would only say, yeah, but I need to kind of, like, hear the giggle behind that, yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to know that it wasn't an angry, yeah, or it wasn't a sad, like, or bored, yeah. Like, that it was an Mm -hmm. amused, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what typography can do. And that's my interest in typography.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting, because uh, just day before yesterday, I'm watching this series, uh, abstract on netflix yes <laughs> and uh, it has a like uh, one of the episodes is on paula Asher and uh even she but her perspective of looking at type is like she looks at typography everywhere and then she builds on top of it so similarly what do you what do you see when you when you say that uh, it comes from words it comes from languages what is that you observe in your day-to-day life
0: Uh, Everything, actually. But more than seeing, Hmm. uh, I think for me, it's audio. Mm -hmm. That I listen to people and I listen to them very carefully and I'm constantly... Picking up things, whether it's from a movie, whether it's from somebody I met, whether it's a conversation with a, you know, taxi driver, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, For me, like being in a new place where people speak a different language Mm. is like, you know, being in Wonderland. Mm. Because I'm full of questions. I'm full of like, oh, you know, so what is Punjabi for... uh, you know, saying, like, how do you say, how are you in Punjabi? And Mm. the moment they will say that, and I'm like, is that formal? Is that informal? Mm. You know, what happens there? Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, like the audio part of like just listening to people finding meanings like my regular lunch table conversation with my parents mm-hmm. is full of all that so i'm gujarati mm-hmm. right and i will constantly so if there's a word that i kind of think of and I suddenly i'll be like okay so what's you know gujarati for exotic mm. And then apparently it became a you know whole large family conversation where and all of them have studied in Gujarati medium mind you, mm-hmm. uh, where mm-hmm. they all you know had various suggestions of what exotic could possibly mean, mm-hmm. but nobody really like could come to a consensus. And then they said, you know, exotic is an English phenomena. There is mm. no exoticness in <laughs> Gujarati. Yeah,
1: but there has to be, right? And that brings out the difference in the culture also.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah So yes. for me, that that's what I like hear rather than see. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting way to uh, perceive things, actually. Uh, that actually reminds me of one more thing also, because I recently interviewed Amrit Gangar uh, who's a big film critique right. and uh, and a historian and uh, like he's done a lot of study in films overall and uh, he mentioned that he was watching a film uh, made by Kumar Shahani right. and uh, Robert Bresso who was one of the people who were watching the film he was actually closing his eyes and taking a beat on the movie so he said that it's, it's like a temporal medium rather than visual so it, it I'm trying to connect the dots here.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I actually, like, you know, contrary to other designers who have, like, who take visual inspiration. Mm. For me, that inspiration is audio. Mm. But the translation and that's, you know, that's what I think I do really well. That I translate that audio into, like, visual typography. Mm-hmm. That but, but
1: doesn't it restrict, as in, there are chances of getting repetitive, right? because or that's what the skill is about like understanding or deciphering something from the voice
0: I actually because the thing is that there is there are so many aspects to audio right mm-hmm. so there is uh, of course you know the tone of voice the emotion all of that mm. there's also just the way things sound and you know how they fit next to each other and then it sort of like all just comes together and makes sense mm-hmm. and then when you realize that Poetry and typography, mm. you know, so again, like the kind of example that I'd like to give is that, you know, I was in Kutch and I was uh, talking about finding my mojo mm. to, you know, primarily like Kachy speaking audience who mm. could speak English, but mm. um, and so I was, you know, really struggling to explain to them what the word mojo means, mm. Right. And then something happened, and like one guy just looked at me and he said, It's basically like Maja, you know. Mm -hmm. And then that thing of, you know, so I have a typography piece that combines the two like it's Mojo and Maja. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the realization that these two words, you know, fit in so well together that they have similar sounding, Mm -hmm. you know. So there's a lot of those kind of nuances that uh, really Mm -hmm. excite me. And, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I am very, very far from feeling that it's repetitive or boring. I mean, I feel like, you Hmm. know, it's a very, very long journey and there's lots to
1: be explored. (laughs) Nice, nice. Uh, You have mentioned in a couple of interviews also, and this I found in your bio as well, uh, which says the key to change our mindset uh, from an either or uh, to an and. So can you tell us uh, in what context it was and what makes you say that?
0: So, um, actually, I'm going to start with, you know, taking you back to when I was a student in uh, London College of Printing. Hmm. And, you know, I had a class with German people and Japanese people and, of course, British people and all of that. And but the reason I say German and Japanese first, because uh, they were, you know, as a Like, people, they are very country proud, Mm -hmm. right? So they would always, like, speak in German amongst them. Like, the Japanese girl would always, like, design in Japanese. Mm. Uh, Their keyboards would be customized, you know, like that. Like, everything was, you know, so Japanese Mm. or so German. Mm. And I felt like I learned a lot about their cultures from just being in the same class with them and watching them design. Mm Mm-hmm. And suddenly there was me and of course there was a bunch of other Indians. Mm. Um, and we were just, you know, we thought in English, we designed in English, our design education was all about the West. We knew everything about like, you know, Bahao School of Design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we knew what the Germans knew. But when they asked us like, oh, so what about India? There was...
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, there was quite a big blank, you Mm -hmm. know, in that space. And I'm, of course, you know, talking early 2000, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where this is like pre-internet era where everything was not so available Mm -hmm. and all of that. Right.
1: The type foundries were not found yet. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so there was and just in terms of information that, you know, it was the way you got information was by talking to other people Mm -hmm. like the big amazing part of going abroad to study at that time was access to information Mm -hmm. you know because they had the fantastic libraries you met different people who would tell you stuff about their unique cultures things
1: were documented yeah yeah, because
0: it wasn't available online Mm -hmm. right there was no online Mm. but when I went there That was the time I suddenly, uh, you know, had to turn around and say, okay, so what about my Indian identity? And, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, I can go on about Helvetica, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, what about Indian typography? And as an Indian typographer, what is my voice?
3: Mm
0: -hmm. So very enthusiastically saying, oh, that's it. You know, I found my thing. I'm going to work with vernacular type. Mm. And uh, I chose experimental typography as my specialization. And what I've actually done is, you know, experimental typography with a specialization in non-Latin scripts. Like Mm. that's what my final project was all about. Mm -hmm. And I did, I graduated everything. You know, it was very well received in London, all of that. And uh, as a sparkly-eyed student, I landed back in India saying, oh, you know, now I have this Indian context and Mm. I'm going to work with that. Mm. And then you come here and you're suddenly confronted with this big question saying, "Acha, but which language? Mm -hmm. You know, that if you are uh, going to design in Maharashtra, then is it Marathi? But then not everybody in Bombay understands Marathi. So Mm. where is... You know where is the market, and it's like how many languages are there, and you know what do you do, and all of that, mm. right? And how do you find a commercial space for mm. this?
1: No, right. but before that, what was going in your mind? I mean, like you have to so, get into languages, but what? Like, uh, is it is it? I'm getting to yeah. that, <laughs> yeah.
0: right? So, so there was, as I said, that there was this idea of mm. the vernacular language, mm. and then saying, okay, so. You know, where and you know, how so the it led up to basically saying, What is my voice? Mm, mm. Right, and saying, My voice is that I'm predominantly Gujarati, mm. so you know, I've grown up speaking Gujarati at home. My mom is Kachi, so I also speak and understand a little bit of Kutchi. There's the Bombay context. So there's, you know, Marathi. And there's the school context and the Bollywood context. So there's, of course, Hindi thrown in over there. Uh, And then there was Bangalore. So there was Kannada. Mm. Right. So now how do you take all these languages with all these varied scripts, which you don't entirely understand?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And bring it into design and how, Mm, right? mm. I guess that's also your question. What about those languages, right? And that was the same question that I was struggling with saying that, okay, interest is great, Mm. but what do you do with these? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I kind of like stumbled upon the fact that uh, what these languages actually do is that they hold certain cultural nuances,
1: Okay. Yeah. right, yeah.
0: which are in that way not untranslatable. Like there is something that you lose. There is something that is better expressed in a certain language, mm. which the moment you translate it, it doesn't have the same feeling. It doesn't have the same power. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So,
0: for instance, there's a...
1: Yeah, I, this remembers actually, there was one talk where I heard that I need space. Yeah. Right? So, this space is itself a very different context which was not present in India. That's why they had to borrow that Borrow word. it. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. And the, the so, the thing is, that we are all as a urban Indian generation, hmm. you know, with our fancy English education and you know, a colonial hangover of sorts saying English is the language of progress, mm. right? Have somewhere lost this thing of our mother tongue of, yeah. you know, what, like, we, we can all barely, you know, we hold on to our languages in a way that, like, yes, I'm sure we can communicate with our parents, mm. but I'm not sure we can teach it to our kids. Yeah, yeah. And the question is, so what if we can't, mm-hmm. you know, so what if they are lost? Mm-hmm. But I think that along with language, you would lose stories and mm-hmm. stories that, you know, have been passed on from generation to generation
2: mm-hmm. that
0: talk about a much larger context of our culture and where you come from mm-hmm. just through certain words. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for instance, uh, there is a phrase, and this is my most favorite story to tell. Mm. Um, that there is a phrase in Gujarati that goes, Bhes Bhagode Chas Chagode. Mm. Right? I'm sure it sounds like complete garble
1: to you right now. <laughs> no, no, I've read about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? yeah. So,
0: so Bhes Bhagode Chas Chagode, very literally translated, means like, don't make your buttermilk. While before you've bought the buffalo,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Mm. Which is again very, you know, kind of you can draw a very direct parallel to don't count your chickens before they hatch, mm-hmm. right? Now the thing is that the moment you you say, Oh, but it's the same thing. Like mm. so there is a translation. Mm. But this base and chas business in Gujarat mm. actually is very important. Yeah. Right? That yeah. to every Gujarati like that chas is really important and mm. it talks of like an agrarian community. It talks of a vegetarian community where mm. like the chicken and eggs wouldn't exist. Mm. And then when I did further kind of you know, deep... uh, Investigation
1: on the... (laughs) Yeah, the
0: thing, right? I found out that there are similar phrases in Malayalam. There are similar phrases and they all just like they mean the same thing. But the thing that they are talking about changes, Yeah, yeah, you know. So chicken and egg becomes rice and something else, you Mm. know, like that. It's very
1: localized. Yeah.
0: Right. And that tells you. So it's like, imagine that you put like 10 phrases like this together And you'd get to know about, like, a lifestyle of each, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: you know, community, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what, like, language holds within it, Mm -hmm. that it holds this, like, literally stories Mm -hmm. that will, you know, that I think are worth holding on to, Mm -hmm. that are worth preserving, And the best part of all of this, which is where I'm going to kind of come back to your original question, mm. is uh, that, you know, this realization that you can kind of, you don't need to make a choice between you know, English and the vernacular, that they can exist side by side, that mm. you can switch. Mm. We all do that in our speech. Like, often when we are talking amongst yeah. friends or whatever, you know, thoda hindi hai, yeah, there'll be like a certain, mm. like, if you are familiar with Bangalore or whatever, like, you'll just say, like, hogi hogi, or, mm. you know, something like that, right? Yeah. So there will be smatterings of this... Macha. Huh? <laughs> macha, like, all <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it will all come... In, in your speech, but mm. it can also sort of occupy the same space in your head, mm-hmm. where, when necessary, it can come in. Yeah, yeah. Right? And lastly, like, to kind of that, you know, talk about this and business, mm. is that I feel that for a generation, as I said, who is so, you know, steeped in thinking in English, like, mm. it's, you know, that main thing is that we, we all think, in English, think yeah. in English right? that this could be a very cool entry point into kind of forming a relationship with your language mm. you know it could be the language when I say your language it could be the language at home it could be the language of your state it could be the language of your partner, you know, whatever. But it's like, let's start with like word by word, phrase by phrase, rather than sort of an imposition saying, Mm -hmm. you know, me Marathi, Zee Marathi, like, you know, that you have to Mm -hmm. learn Marathi because you're in Maharashtra or that you have to have signage in Karnataka, in Mm -hmm. Kannada. Mm -hmm. But a more friendly, a more, you know, kind of, an approachable entry point hmm. into saying okay like this word sounds interesting so now i know one kannada word or hmm. now i know one punjabi phrase hmm, hmm, hmm. right and that i think is a very interesting
1: process yeah yeah i remember like i was planning to name my dog nalak uh, and something more because nalak is like four in in uh, Canada, right? Right. And he has four legs, so like, yeah. I mean, I just thought of that, uh, bridging the gap between these two things. Right. Yeah. Uh, you have also said, uh, like, language is uh, a roadmap to the culture, right? A roadmap of the culture. So, can you tell us uh, what makes you say that? And I mean, uh, why do you value so much vernacular? I mean, you briefly touched upon it, but just to elaborate on the same thing and. What's what's the importance of these uh, uh, languages apart from telling stories?
0: Right. So, you know, I mean, I've heard some of your earlier uh, podcasts with various type designers and mm. everything, right, with all these foundries mm. that we speak about. And everybody is in a way moving towards saying, oh, you know, Indian languages and we are developing typefaces yeah. you know across like multilingual typefaces and all of that my uh you know kind of question goes one level you know prior to that saying okay. that's great you know that's awesome that you are developing all these typefaces but who is using them Mm. The reason why it's not even, you know, such a greatly viable field, mm-hmm. you know, is because there is not that much demand,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right?
0: But it's increasing. So it's increasing, but still by who, mm-hmm. right? Because, for instance, if you go to a local newspaper mm. or, you know, to a uh, kind of small city like DTP operator or whatever, Mm. whose primary mode is to design in vernacular languages, Mm. right? Somebody who's designing for a Marathi newspaper or magazine or like that, Mm. they have tons of fonts available to them, Mm
3: -hmm,
2: right?
0: mm -hmm. So my local, like this is how I started my career where I would go, you know, to a local typesetter and he would give me a book Mm. and it would have Marathi that looks like, you know, Chinese for your like Chinese tall or whatever, and mm. it's like it would have Marathi that's like acha, this is the impact, this is the Helvetica, this is this. So mm. they would have their own local versions of it, and you sort of like a menu selected from that book and he would typeset mm-hmm. that for you. Mm-hmm. So the people who are actually using them have enough already. Mm this market that we are trying to actually say that there is not enough and there needs to be more and all of that is the market who is actually not using the vernacular so much, mm-hmm. right? And so I am coming from a point saying let's create interest in the vernacular. Mm. Let's uh, kind of, you know, create a space mm. whereby as Indians and as Indian designers especially mm. we have something unique to give to the world which nobody else already has
1: mm-hmm.
0: right like yeah. it's a it's literally it's the like gap
1: It's there's a gap yeah
0: more than a gap that it's you know in this oversaturated design world mm. right where everything that has to be done with Helvetica has been done 80 times over mm-hmm. right uh What are, you know, uh, how do we make our mark as Indian designers? Mm. We look, we've been looking kind of at a broader Western spectrum for a very long time. Mm. Let's kind of look inwards and, you know, try and find design narratives that come from here. Mm. Because the one thing that ensures is that it'll be completely unique. Mm. That nobody else in the West can tap into that,
2: got it, got it, right? Yeah, that
0: that there's nobody outside of a, a you know Malayali household who will know that like what's like that super funny thing, you know, in saying Vipralam. Mm-hmm. So Vipralam is actually like a happy excitement that you feel, you know, like a sort not a bad nervousness, but a good nervousness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's like that and that word exists only in Malayalam that it's like I'm feeling Vipralam. Mm-hmm. and
1: Okay, okay, nice. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: so it's through our conversation as you can tell that it's only like every time I hear something like this, mm-hmm. I pick it up, mm-hmm. right? And I will try and kind of fit it into my design context and mm-hmm. now… You know, and now hopefully everybody else who's listening will know one Malayalam word mm-hmm. and one Gujarati phrase, mm. right? Yeah. And yeah. then people kind of will pick on to something. Correct,
1: correct. Correct.
0: Right. Apart from that, so all this while I've been talking about you know the audio part of the mm. words, mm. there's also like and what sort of connects it back to typography is the visual part of it, right? Mm. Our scripts are so incredibly beautiful and Mm -hmm. interesting that it feels a pity for them to have to die out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, when I was back in college, my thesis was on the extinction of Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. You know, and when Mm -hmm. I say extinction, I don't mean like a literal extinction. Mm -hmm. But apart from a few pundits and a few scholars or whatever, Sanskrit is no longer used. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's
1: not uh, being used in the mainstream, definitely.
0: Yeah. And when you look at, you know, old texts, when you look at how Sanskrit was written and what all it has led to, like including German has mm. a connection, like, you know, there are so many languages where the root is actually Sanskrit
2: Yeah, yeah. that
0: it feels like, wow, that was something really rich which we have let go of, mm-hmm. you know both in terms of meaning as well as visually, mm-hmm. that the Sanskrit is a lot like Hindi, but if you've ever seen Sanskrit text, it's sort of it has it's a ligature heaven, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that it's just like everything's connected in like double deckers and triple deckers and all of that, yeah, yeah, so I just feel that as as scripts yeah. also they they have to really really you know there's a wonderful visual repertoire and that has been like not even tip of the iceberg explored mm-hmm. so there's a whole world waiting out there to kind of type of typography design with indian mm-hmm. scripts mm-hmm.
1: yeah and again uh, going back uh, to sanskrit or for that matter any of the other indian languages which are on the verge of extension or not being used in the mainstream i think that demands like two, three another audio GAN sessions maybe <laughs> because it's quite intense. Absolutely. Um, so, Kruti, I would like to slightly change track here and ask you about uh, like the Dharavi Design Museum project which you worked on and uh, last couple of few questions I have and then uh, yeah, so can you tell us about the Dharavi that yes. logo which is there right now yes. on that website is it designed by you Yes <laughs> Wow it's very beautiful I really loved it it has uh like a, a devnagri and english Right So yeah can you tell us about something about the Dharavi design museum project
0: Yeah so, um, you know, it's, if this also kind of opens up a larger question that I often get asked saying, okay, typography and all very nice. Mm. But, you know, what else? Because, mm-hmm. you know, typography alone, like how much mm. can you? Now, as a designer and, you know, again, I would quote like Massimo over here saying that if you can do one thing, you can do everything. Mm. That I don't think... Uh, a designer's mind is limited to just kind of one area of specialization. It mm-hmm. it might be your kind of passion or your, you know, favored, biased child. Mm-hmm. But there's always so many other opportunities yeah. that's waiting for you to happen. Correct. And like that, I had this chance to work with these uh, two, you know, artists from Amsterdam Mm. and uh, it's again you know this is look at how ironic it is that it takes somebody from outside to come in to show you your neighborhood Mm -hmm. so it was their project to you know start this design museum in Dharavi Mm. and I spent a year so they were here for a month but I spent the whole year then on ground at Dharavi seeing this project taking it forward Mm -hmm. The basic idea was that it was a museum for the people of Dharavi. Mm. So by the people, for the people kind of an idea. Mm. And there were design conversations, you know, where we sat on ground with them mm. to say that, look, forget about, you know, demand and, you know, like dhandha and paisa banane ka mm. But if you were given a free reign, what would you actually design? mm mm-hmm. And this was across potters and broom makers and, you know, the recycling guys and weavers and leather makers Mm. and all of that. Mm. So we went into each community, met like a whole bunch of makers Mm. and then sat with them as an at an equal level, like designer to designer and said, like, literally, like, we are just giving you space. Like, yes, we are the client, Mm. but we are we are the client who's saying Like, we don't have a brief, like, you do what you want to do, Mm -hmm. right? So, and then we took those products that they made, whether it was the potters or whatever, outside the pottery area in Dharavi. So, Dharavi is really, like, large, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what is surprising is that it has so many kind of separate sectors Mm. that people don't know what's, really going on from one sector to another oh, so we okay. took the pottery exhibition into like you know the camp area hmm. where there was actually so much excitement because they had never seen it hmm. right they don't have the luxury to wander around in other parts peek into other
1: people's houses hmm. and also feel proud because it come from the same society and... but
0: it of course it you know comes from the same society but it was more the wonder seeing oh this was happening like so close to us but we didn't know it mm-hmm. right and this is so so there was so much excitement there was so much ownership like you said mm-hmm. and uh, this whole idea so there was you know there was the main thing was kids and somebody once asked me i think it was uh, um I can't remember who it was, but mm-hmm. they basically said, you know, so what's the point of this? So mm. they've seen it mm. and, you know, they are excited about it or mm. whatever, but what's, what's the point of mm. what you're Utility doing? The, yeah. Right? And my thing was that, you know, through the one year that I worked there, there were kids who would like come and look at things and say, "Didi, kya you And all of that. And then, Suddenly it became this that I would, you know, take time and explain to a bunch of kids Mm. and then they would be explaining to each other, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. So there was this conversation I overheard between two kids and, you know, one of them is saying, but what is this? You know, it's a cart. Like, what is this? What Mm. does a museum mean? Mm. So this kid is saying that essentially it's a magic show Mm. without the tricks. Wow. You know,
3: and it was such
0: a beautiful explanation. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that in whatever, you know, in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years time, if even five kids from Dharavi have a greater understanding of design, if you know whether they are the kids of the makers and they say, yes, we don't want to do another copy. We want to do our own thing Mm. or that they go out and they actually are able to say, we know what a museum is or we know something about design Mm. for me that project has done enough
1: wow beautiful beautiful
0: and these are also as I said that it opens up when I said a larger conversation because I see my work currently moving from mainstream graphic design to more design for social change and social development those Mm. are also the kind of projects I'm currently working on Mm -hmm. so that's where my interest lies and it again it ties up everything because it ties up the vernacular language it ties up my you know thing for india and bringing about social change and bringing like using design as a tool to actually do all of this, mm-hmm. rather than you know doing social work in a normal sense and be a volunteer mm-hmm. that I'm finding entry points into this field through what I'm good at, mm-hmm. and that feels
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. Christy, um, I would like to conclude with uh, one last question, so uh, which is more towards understanding your vision or your uh, thoughts on the future is uh, like yeah what are your thoughts on typography of the future within the realm of Indian scripts I mean uh, since there is so much rich tradition already present right uh, chas chakoda (laughs) uh, to to, uh, the Malayalam phrase which you use right Uh, what are your thoughts overall in preserving this or how can we just run, keep it running, keep nurturing it.
0: So, um, you know, the world right now is moving at like such an alarming rate, right? And yeah. the way, you know, every single moment, every single morsel of food anybody is eating is being documented. Yeah. Now, the fear is that in all this excess of what is currently happening mm. the record of what was history mm. is you know will somewhere get lost in like this yeah this noise yeah right so i uh, feel that you know that there is a lot there are a lot of people especially my contemporaries you know there are a lot of movements that are happening whether it's the type foundries whether it's culture shop whether it's you know, bunch of people who are doing India-focused design and kind of finding their own entry points into illustration, into typography, into street photography, history, all of that. Mm. So there is a considerable amount of work being done, mm. but that somehow needs to be transferred to, you know, the generation who comes after us. Mm -hmm. And as, uh, you know, Indian designers, we sort of hold that responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think the people who came before us, the Mm -hmm. people who I studied under, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Gita Narayanan of Shrishti, who heads Shrishti, who I was lucky enough to study under and the Mahendra Bhai Patel and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these people. They did such a fantastic job of passing that on to us, mm-hmm. uh, we sometimes tend to get a bit overwhelmed with the pace at which everything is moving mm-hmm. because, yes. you know, the the kids I teach these days will be like, oh, you don't know Snapchat? Oh, like, you know, I have 40,000 followers on Instagram.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is like, the there's a shift happening from learning to kind of just doing and sharing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And if somewhere we can still, you know, manage to pass that on, like mm-hmm. pass on, you know, the baton literally of saying, Look, there's a lot more mm-hmm. to learn, there's a lot more to discover, there always will be. Mm-hmm. And that is far more enriching, at least for me and at least in my vision, mm-hmm. than just, you know, taking a picture of something and just sharing without mm-hmm. thinking about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, people have become less uh, reflective anyways, like just what they are doing, what is happening, but yeah, it's a different... different So,
0: so while we have the tools for recording and preservation, which are more advanced than ever, Mm -hmm. our attention span and our interests are becoming more limited Mm -hmm -hmm. and uh i feel that again if that bridge, you know gap could be bridged mm-hmm. it would actually like you'd have explosive stuff that would come out of yeah, this
1: yeah, yeah yeah brilliant brilliant i remember one uh, quote by puladesh pandey where he said that when the when the new technology was just coming into india where you could uh, actually record songs on a tape recorder Uh, A lot of people did that, but nobody really thought of actually recording a classroom session which is happening and then come home and just listen to it again. So it's just a a better use of uh, the same stuff. So maybe the technology is just empowering us to do more things, but I think the way we use it maybe help what you just mentioned about passing on that rich tradition to the next uh, generation.
0: And point in case like, you know, that's what... Uh, you are doing, Mm -hmm. that you, you know, you're really using this to record something, to record like the voices of, you know, just a time.
3: Mm -hmm. Right. So
0: it's literally that I can plug into this even five years from now and get a sense of, you know, what was the thinking pattern at that time across filmmakers, across designers, across you know, musicians, whatever, right? And just get a sense of history through that. But it's like the fact that we have the luxury of recording history as it happens Mm -hmm. versus some historian, you know, who had to like sit and kind of piece together things is fantastic. So I really think what, uh, you know, you're doing is just great. And, you know, thank you for like really giving this to all of us
1: (laughs) thank you thank you Uh, cool I think this is a good note to end this Uh, I get I mean I understand there are a lot of things to be discussed but it's yeah cool all right thank you for giving us your time again Mm -hmm. and it was lovely talking to you
0: likewise likewise (laughs) okay
1: thank you that's it
0: and that's it from today's Gyan session catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye.